Okay, today we'll be learning Daf Kuf Aleph, Maseches Pesachim, three lines down. In order to get here today, Gerardo has to stay up till two in the morning watching the Food Channel. So we're going to be discussing food. Kiddush b'makom seuda. Why do you suppose, Gerardoitz, would you have to make kiddush b'makom seuda? You understand what this means? This means that when you're making kiddush, if you really believe that the kiddush has to be made where the food is, that means if all you're doing is making kiddush and shul. That's how we got into this yesterday. We said, if all you're doing is making Kiddush and Shul, so then you may not be Yodse the Kiddush, right? The Kiddush may not work because you did not make the Kiddush, right, in the place where you are also eating, right? As it says, let's see three lines down. Shmuel, this was, this was the din of Shmuel. Three lines down in Kuf Alpha Medalf. Shmuel, Lomali le Kadushe Bevei Knishta. According to Shmuel, right, who says that, in, again, Shmuel had a din that you need to make Kiddush in the place where you eat, which means that Kiddush has to be in the context of where food is. This is what we're talking about. It has to be in the context. Kiddush is like you're, you are Mekadosh the day, right? You're acknowledging, right? The exact purpose and function of Kiddush is, is, is more subtle and esoteric than I'm explaining. But in general, you're, what you're doing is you're highlighting and introducing the beauty of the day, right? And, but it has to be in the context of a meal, right? There has to be sort of like, that's the substructure of your Kiddush. That's the din of Shmuel. That has to be Kiddush, the Makom Suda. That when you make the Kiddush, it has to be in the context of a meal. So to that, the Gemara asks three lines down. And then yeah. runs to the, 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 the kitchen. Right. So, 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 so we're going to talk about this first. So, so we're going to say, do you have to make it in the place where the food is? The question that the Gemara asks on Kuf Aleph, Amad Aleph, three lines down is, if, in fact, Kiddush has to be made in the context of a meal, then why do we make Kiddush in Shul after davening where there is no meal? That's the question over there. According to Shmuel, who says you have to make Kiddush, why are you making Kiddush in Shul where, in fact, there is no meal? So the Gemara answers simply that there is a meal. The, to uh, in order to to be moitzi, so to speak, right? The guests, the guests where the guests of the shul, the, the, drink and sleep. exactly in the shul. Because they're eating and they're drinking and sleeping in shul in the synagogue. Right, and Shmuel is still consistent with his own reasoning, which is the Amar Shmuel and Kiddush Suda. The Kiddush has to be made. So, in other words, according to Shmuel, ironically, the reason why we make Kiddush in shul is in order to fulfill Kiddush B'makom Suda. Right. The reason why we make Kiddush and Shul is because there are people eating there. And the Kiddush must be made where people are eating. So Rabari Leibowitz, the great Tafilmi master, asks, well, well, points out, I should say, what Tosmas asks, which is, are you covered basic nessus? Right? Covered basic nessus. You're not supposed to eat and drink and sleep in the Shul. So he says, all right. I mean, I, it, he, so it's not the Shul. It's the social hall. It's downstairs. Right? He talks about Shtibels. A big difference whether you know you're in a Shul or in a Shtibel. If you're in a Shtibel, you'll see a mezuzah. Right? A Shul technically may not need a mezuzah, right? The same way. Uh, if it's a real Malcolm Kaddosh in its own right, but be that as it may, right? So let's say it has the sanctuary, just like we're here in Bnei Jacob Shari Zion. So we have the sanctuary, we have the base medrash. So maybe, uh, and and then you can have the social hall, and you could even have sleeping quarters downstairs. That's okay. And so that's where the kiddush is being made. Now to that, the Gemara says, "Savor mina hani mili mibais labais." So analyzing this idea of kiddush b'makom suda. So this is going to be interesting. Let me ask you a question: if, Can I make kiddush upstairs in shul in the sanctuary, uh, and then? Uh, and then that kiddush can, that, can you be mozi people who are going to eat next door in the social hall, or or do I need to make kiddush in the social hall itself? In other words, within this din of shmuel of kiddush from suda, does the kiddush have to take place in the actual same room within a house? That's the question we're asking now. Does it have? Can you make kiddush in one house and then uh, before Bnei Jacob Shari Zion uh, uh, merged, can you make kiddush in Bnei Jacob and then go eat it uh, the meal at Shari Zion? So let's see. So something a honey meal and the So the first uh, I guess assumption right of those who learned this halach of shmuel was that you need to have. Right, kiddush in the same house. So in other words, if you're making kiddush in Bnei Jacob, you have to, you cannot eat the food in Shari Zayin. Avalbi makom, makom, b'chad beis, 
But once the shul merged, and let's say you're in our current location here, B'nai Jacob Shara and you make the kiddush, let's say upstairs, Mimakam the Makam. So you make the kiddush in the sanctuary, and then you can eat in the social. Can that work? So we say from that, from one place to the other, right within the same house, is okay. In other words, that would not be a problem. You would not have to repeat kiddush, right? If you made the uh, kiddush not in the same room, but as long as you made it within the same house, that's what that means. Uh, that, that's a, that's right. So zochus yom shabbos lekadsho. We say that in right in kiddush, right? So, so 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 it's, so that so that's an interesting question because right, but and so bekarasim shabbos oneg, right? The idea is why? Where is he getting? You're asking actually like a, a very fundamental question with Kiddush Makam Suda. You're saying, let's go back to the basics. What's the source of Kiddush? And once you see the source of Kiddush, where do you see in that source of Kiddush the idea of, right, Makam Suda? So, so, so that, that's a very good question. And then Mephoshim explained that it's within the Psukim, right? First of all, Zachasim Shabbos Lakacho, as we say when we recite Kiddush, uh, uh, as many people say when they recite Kiddush in the, in the uh, Shabbos day. So the idea is that you have to be Mekadesh, right? Mekadesh HaShabbos. You have to be Mekadesh HaShabbos, which is to declare the Kiddush of Shabbos. And we have Psukim uh, that reference that this, this Kiddusha also involves a degree of Oneg, and it in- intertwined with the idea of being Mekadesh of the day is the idea of Oneg. So there is allusion to Kiddush from Suda, but the idea of Kiddush from Suda is attributed here to Shmuel. It's not a straight-up Midar Raisa, um, it's not straight up, I should say, Pasuk that's, that's clear, Midarais, although Shemuel certainly would hold that if you make the Kiddush not from Makam Suda, you would in fact have to, you wouldn't be Yotza, you would in fact have to repeat the Kiddush. So that, that was a... I have to ask you, what bracha did they say on the Man? Oh, what bracha did they say on the Man? I actually heard this. <laughs> okay. Amal Ahur of Anan Bar Tachlifa. He is. That, that is him laughing. He's falling apart. You have to see from this angle, he's laughing a lot. Amal Ahur of Anan Bar Tachlifa. Anan Bar Tachlifa said, Zimnim Sagin Hava Kamina Kamei Shemuel. Okay, many times I was with Shmuel, and he would go down, so let's say, let's say the social hall was downstairs, and the shul was on the roof, they would take a bell shabbos on the roof, and we would daven on the roof, and then we would go down to the, to, he would go downstairs, in other words, after davening on the roof upstairs where we did kabal shabbos, uh, we would go, uh, you know, if you go to um, Tzfas, where kabal shabbos was invented, right, uh, that, the, the shul over there has the rooftop, Right, it has a shul on the rooftop, and you can take a bell shabbos there and go yeshiva. It's a beautiful experience. Wow. And then the social is downstairs, wow. but he wouldn't make the kiddush upstairs wow. where um, where they daven. He would wait to go downstairs in order to make kiddush. This is uh, an illustration, uh, basically, of Anan Bar Tachlifa saying uh, he's illustrating the idea that Shmuel was practicing what he preached. He would, in fact, go downstairs to make the kiddush. But it makes it sound that even within the same building, he did not want to make the kiddush upstairs and then eat downstairs. He wanted to wait until he got downstairs in order to make the kiddush within the same house. B'makom suda. Okay, now. Uh, do, let's cite some opinions that agree with Shmuel. The offer of Huna Savar ain't Kiddush of Makam Suda. Ravuna also had this sheet. The Ravuna Kadesh is Akarale Shraga. Because one time, Ravuna made Kiddush. Then his lamp fell, and now it became dark. There's an issue with making Kiddush in the dark, uh, because there's an assumption that maybe people won't want to eat or won't want to make Kiddush. It's going to be difficult in the dark. The, 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 um, the, the Rashbam points out that you won't want to eat in the dark, and therefore it almost becomes a de facto not Kiddush from Makam Suda, because you're not going to eat the Suda there. So what happened? The light, he made Kiddush already. Then the light goes out. So they brought all the stuff, all the food and all the meal to what's called the Chopa house of Rabbah Bray, of his son Rabbah. His, his son Rabbah had the house in which he was getting uh, ready, right, for, where he was actually having his Shevar Brachos. Okay? They were having Shevar Brachos. So that's called, right, that's called the Ganane, right, the Chopa house. So in those days, Shevar Brachos were very elaborate. You'd have like your Shevar Brachos house. So they were having the Shevar Brachos. And so they brought everything into the Shavar Brachos to have a shraga because there the party was, party was lit, 
and the lamp was still burning, and so they had to move the food over there. So now they move the food over there. So let me ask you this, Kalman. He made Kiddush already, but then the light went out. So then they went over to the Chuppah house where the party was still going on and, and everything was lit. So what would be the ultimate expression of Kiddush from Malkam Suda? It would be that you would have to make Kiddush again, right? So and sure enough, Ravuna, what did he do? Kiddush for Taimidi. He made Kiddush again. Again, he already made Kiddush, but he wasn't Yaitse. He chapped Garanowitz because it wasn't Malkam Suda. Okay, because the lights went out. This, this is really a Kiddush. Because he, when he made the Kiddush, it was B'malkam Suda. In other words, he made the Kiddush. And then the location, he made the Kiddush and the food was there. See, this is, uh, we're, obviously, we're, we're touching on all the topics. I just want to bring them out. Before, uh, you know, we can't get into every single one because each one is a extensive discussion. But, but think of what this means as far as the implications, as far as what this means for Kiddush from Suda. It means that at the time that he made the Kiddush, so you might say, okay, Kiddush from Suda just means that when you make the Kiddush, the food is there. Now, when Ravuna made the Kiddush, the food was there. It's only after he finished the Kiddush that now the lights went out. Right? And almost at that point, because he wasn't going to eat there, retroactively, his Kiddush became null. You know, that's a, that's, that's a bracha that he already made. And despite that, the, despite the fact that the Shah's Kiddush, as it were, everything was cool, later on, because the lights went out and it ended up being retroactively, not Malcolm Suda in retrospect, he had to make the Kiddush again. So that's a Kiddush that the Suda has to actually happen. You have to taste it. And that's what the Gemara is going to bring out. In other words, that you haven't really captured it as Kiddush Malcolm Suda until you eat. So that means that if you're at a Kiddush, <laughs> that's Malcolm Suda, and you don't take and you don't partake of some of the food, it would imply that you weren't going to take Kiddush B'makom Suda. You'd have to make Kiddush again. So anyways, Ravuna Kaddish B'tayim Midi, so he made Kiddush again when he went to the Shev house of his son. And he ate something. Once he ate a shtickle, that was okay. So says the Gemara, Alma Kasavar in Kiddush B'makom Suda. This is a, a, an application of, of the din. He holds like Shmuel, Ravuna does, that Kiddush B'makom Suda. Who else holds like him? Rabbah. Af Rabbah says the Gemara, Savar in Kiddush B'makom Suda. How do we know that? The Amar Abaye. Because Abaye said, Ki havina beimar, when I was a student in Rabbah's yeshiva, he have a he would make Kiddush. Remember who, remember who Abaye's Chavrusa was in, uh, in Rabbah's yeshiva? Rava. Okay, so Ki havina when he would say Kiddush, Amalani Utedos, Te'imu Midi. So sure enough, an application really of the din that we learned in the name of Huna here, that after Kiddush, he wanted everybody to take a piece. Why? He would tell them, Dilma ad azlisu le'ushpiza. Be right? He says, eat some now, right? So amazing. But you'll be in yeshiva. This is going to conjure up images of a lot of you when you're in yeshiva, right? That you make kiddush and, and you would have to eat a little bit, right? To take, he would say, eat a little bit now because you're going to go back to the dorms and the lights are going to go out. And, or you go back to the chadarochel, really, right? You're going to go back to the dining room and maybe the lights will go out in the dining room even. So in other words, he would make kiddush. So, so, Right and and so whether they were going back to their homes or they were going back to their dorms wherever they were going there was always a possibility even if there was going to be food there and the assumption here is that they were going to go back let's say to homes where there was food but there the lights could go out so he says we're in yeshiva now eat something in yeshiva now and you'll yaitse you'll be yaitse kiddush from Malkam Suda right because if you go back you never know what will happen light with your lights and if the lights do in fact go out it will turn out that you did not make kiddush where you generally eat and such a kiddush that you heard here if you don't eat. This, the implication is if you don't eat, you will not be Yotze, lo nafkisu, right? You, lo nafkisu, literally, you won't go out, you won't fulfill your obligation. Nafkisu and Yotze means the same thing, right? You won't fulfill your obligation unless you eat a little something here. So here, another idea, that it, another um, illustration of the idea that unless you eat, you're not Yotze, Kish Malkam Suda, as the Gemara continues to say, the Ain Kiddush Elohim Malkam Suda. The reasoning of Rabbah was because there's no Kiddush Malkam Suda. Now, to this idea of Rabbah, the Gemara asks, Aini, does Rabbah really hold of this idea of Kish Malkam Suda, of Shemuel's idea of how Amar Abaye, now, this is going to be an interesting challenge of Rabbah as follows. Abaye, who was Rabbah's student, said, Kol Mila Damar, everything that the Rosh Shiva said, Hava Ovid Karav. He was told like Rav. Now, we know that Rav and Shmuel were famous uh, Bale Plukta, right? They used to, Rav and Shmuel used to have a lot of uh, shitas. They were on two sides of many issues, okay? And on those issues, 
Abaye would always side with Rav, with the exception of three three times. Uh, anybody curious what those three times are? Well, here it is. The Gemara is going to tell you. He would he would side with Rav in every occasion except for Levar Mehanit Last Avik Shmuel. There were only three occasions that he held like Shmuel. And what's going to happen is if one of those occasions is Kid Shmuel Kamsuda, we're okay. But if not, so then we got trouble because how is it that Rabbah over here is going to hold like Shmuel that you need Kid Shmuel Kamsuda? Apparently, that too was a machlokus between Rav and Shmuel. And since Shmuel, right, as we saw. And since, and since, uh, right, and since Shmuel holds, Kishma Kusuda, how could Rabbah hold like Shmuel? Because after all, he only supposed to, he's only supposed to, or he's recorded as only holding like Shmuel, in the following three exceptional cases, as follows. Case number one, Matirin mi begi There was machlokas between Rabbah and Shmuel as to whether you can undo Matirin, right, kosher and Matir, whether you can undo Tzitzis from one begid in order to bring it to another begid. Isn't always intertwined everything together? Yeah, I saw what you did there. It's intertwined like Tzitzis. Yeah. Um, it is, it is. Everything coming together. You have to hold cup. You have to pay attention. Tosos helps bringing all the Gemara's from everywhere. It's fascinating. I agree with you. I think it's amazing. So there was a machlokas. Uh, what's the machlokas? Why would you, why would it be okay? Why would it not be okay to take tzitzis from one beggar to another? So that machlokas comes up in Menachos, come, uh, um, which is right, where you talk about whether it is disrespectful to the first beggar in order, right, to take the tzitzis off of it. In other words, we have a chiv to put tzitzis on a beggar, right? If you have a four-cornered garment, you put tzitzis on it. Okay, so now you have a, bag, a garment with tzitzis on it. Is it disrespectful to take those tzitzis off once you put the tzitzis on? Um, even if it is in order to put tzitzis on another bag. This is um, reminiscent of the idea of taking a mezuzah off one house to put onto another. I'm uh, uh, right, so that, I, uh, that, that is also sometimes a question that they ask when you're moving from one place to another. You can take the mezuzahs from off to the other. You can take the tzitzis off the other. Anyways, that, that was Machlokas Rabbi Shemuel. Okay, um, so on that one, and as we'll see, so Shemuel there was... was what was Mekil? He allowed it. Right. Shmuel there allowed the tzitzis being taken off from one to the other. So on that, Rabbah agreed. Madlikin miner l'neir. This comes up with Hanukkah and Sechah Shabbos. Right? Can you uh, light from one Hanukkah light to another Hanukkah light? So that Shmuel allowed as well. And Rabbah held like him there. The halacha kirav Shimon begrira. We're going to get into this now. This is the famous machlokus, right? Rabbi Shimon and and Rabbi Yehuda, right? About davar she'enu miskabein, right? The the shas sugya. That grira, grira is dragging the bench on Shabbos. When you drag a bench, you, what happens? You create, uh, you create a groove in the ground, right? So that is, right, that is a, a malacha of Shabbos to, to make the groove in the ground. However, are you doing it to make the groove in the ground or are you doing it in order to remove the bench? Clearly you're doing it with kavana moving the bench. Certainly if that is your kavana, so then that would be machlokas as to whether this davish enum is would be chayv. The tanya, like going to Brisa, Rabbi Shimon Omer, no, right, Rabbi Shimon Omer, gore adam mite, mita kise visafsa b'shabbos. Right? So this is, the halacha that a person could drag it. Of course, if his intention is to make the groove in the ground, that's going to be certainly usher, right? But it was Echel Shabbos, right? They, this was the famous machlokes of Davar She'ino Miskavin. Now, what does that have to do with Shmuel? So you have to look in Echel Shabbos, and there you'll see that Shmuel agreed with Rabbi Shimon with regards to this case, as far as uh, Davar She'ino Miskavin being with her. Obviously, again, can you spend a month on just this line of Gemara? Certainly. You can go back to Dabr Shem Miskavin and, and, you know, tease out all the cases. But be that as it may, this was an area where Shmuel was Mekiel like Rabbi Shimon and Rabbah held like Shmuel. So in all of these cases, the Tzitzis and the Hanukkah and the Dabr Shem Miskavin, those were the three cases that Rabbah held like Shmuel and against Rav, right, and was Mekiel. However, in those cases, we don't see any indication, right, of Rabbah holding like Shmuel in Kiddush Malkam Suda. None of those three cases are Kiddush Malkam Suda. This was a biased challenge. How, therefore, can you say that Rabbah agreed to Shmuel to, on this concept of Kiddush Malkam Suda? We thought he only agreed to Shmuel on these three things. So to that, the Gemara answers, that no, that the only time, right, that 
that there were times when uh, Rabbah held like Rav against Shmuel with these three exceptions and all of those three exceptions Shmuel was the Mekil. However, However, when Shmuel was Machmir as is the case where Kiddush B'makam Suda then when Shmuel was Machmir then Rabbah would hold like Shmuel. In other words, Rabbah held like Rav when he was Machmir. When Rav was Mekil, Rabbah did not hold like him. Okay, so he's Machmir like Shmuel that, you, that the Kiddush must be B'makam Suda. Right, that's what that's what the Ra, the Rashbam explains. What about the Rashbam? I mean, why did Rashbam come in? Where was Rashbam? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you weren't here yesterday, yeah. uh, so it it uh, behooves us to repeat. On Arvid Sachim, Rashi's Einikel, his grandson, kicks in. In addition to Rashi on top, on the Rashi side, there's Rashbam on the bottom. The Einikel is more verbose than his grandfather Rashi was, and the Rashbam spells more things out. Um, so here, for example, he spells out a very interesting idea. He asks the question. Didn't we learn that in Erevin already, you'll remember this from Erevin, that you're not really supposed to, I mean, pay, pay attention to what we just said about Rabbah. This, what we just said about Rabbah is he held like Rav or like Shmuel, depending who was more Machmir. On every issue, he went with the more Machmir opinion, with like three exceptions where Shmuel was Megil, and he still held like Shmuel. But basically, this whole idea of him holding like Rav, it's only because he held like Rav when he was Machmir. And uh, presumably makes it sound like Rav was Machmir often, so he had like Rav. But where Shmuel was Machmir, as is the case here, in Kishim Machim Suda, he was Machmir. So can you really do that? Can you hold like whoever's Machmir, Beit Shammai or Beit Silo? So the Rashbam offers uh, some suggestions. Rabari Leibowitz, the great Afyomi master, uh, gives a whole bunch of opinions. First of all, to me, the one that makes, um, well, it's connected to Gemara a little bit. See, Kishim Machim Suda, is that really a Chumrah? To say that it has to be Mamakam Suda, whenever you make brachos, it's hard to say what's a chumr and what's a kula, because every chumr is a kula. Um, you know, to not allow, to, to say the bracha is also a kula, because you're not allowed to make a bracha levatala. But the Gemara makes it sound like this is a chumr of Shmuel, that it is Mamakam Suda. So the Rashbam says, the Rashbam, the Rashbam's, uh, the Rashbam's um, uh, shot over here is he says, this is Hakaimalan, Hanimili Hecha de Sachan Hadadi. Okay? Uh, so in other words, the only time where he would say, uh, that one that you can't pick and choose chumras is when they are mutually exclusive of each other. That only one could be right, uh, so to speak. Uh, but when it could be that you could see it this way or you could see it that way, so then it's not quite as um, severe as you might think it, to be machmir and to be notel chumra in one way or another. Be that as it may, Rabba was typically notel chumra. It sounds like with respect to machlokes in Rav and Shmuel, and that was in cases where the pshatim weren't so severe one another, as the Rashbam explains. So fascinating, again, fascinating insights. You can go very deep over here. This is Pesachim, which is uh, like all gishmak sugiyos one after another um, in succession here. So we're we're very fortunate indeed to be uh, to be learning this these inyanim that are so relatable. Okay. Oh, yeah, and it even sticks in some Passover. Yeah, we're going to be more Passover stuff coming. We're about to get to the Seder, and we're going to get to the, to the Seder before it's all said and done. You know, so don't I worry. Don't think, I learned Shabbat, but I never did the Seder. No. So, so you're going you're to love this. You, you have a lot to look forward to. Wow. Okay. Okay, wow. third, third. Are you ready for a third opinion regarding Kiddush Makam Suda? So it's like this. Earlier, yesterday, we talked about uh, two shitas, whether you yote Kiddush, right? Or whether you yote both, right? Um, right, in Shul. When you make the Kiddush Makam Suda in Shul. So one said, well, you're not yote the board for your that you're not yet to the bar, that even though you're yet to, there's a machlokas whether you're mostly kiddish because of kiddish makom suda, and whether you'd have to repeat kiddish again. And then they say, well, certainly, even if you don't have to repeat kiddish, you have to at least recite, right, be, it's the bar priyagafen again. Because remember, you can split it into two issues. One is the issue of kiddish makom suda, right? Do you need to make kiddish where you're having the meal? The other issue is a straight up brachos issue. When you make a brachos anen in food in one place, are you mozi the food in another place? When you make a brachos anen on a food in one place and then move to a different location, do you need to make that bracha again? That sugya from brachos is rekindled now, and so, so it's, and that's going to be that's going to take us home with regards to kofal of uh, kofal of and that's sort of like the second act 
in Dafkof Aleph. And it starts off with the sheet of Rabbi Yochanan. The third sheet here, Rabbi Yochanan Amar, this we didn't see before. Rabbi Yochanan holds that even the Borei Priha Gafein that you said in Shul is most to you for when you get home. Meaning, you don't need to even repeat Borei Priha Gafein. That's remarkable. Don't you always have to repeat what? Your bracha, your, your, your bracha when you move from one location to another? So says the Gemara, Azar Rabbi Yochanan Tamei. Rabbi Yochanan agrees with himself. Right, the Amar of Chanin Barbai, Amar Rabbi Padas, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, because it was quoted in the name of Yochanan, Echad Shino Yain, that whether you change your wine, remember when you bring another type of food, a different taste of wine to the table, some hold that you have to make a, an additional bar priyagafen. But Rabbi Yochanan holds you don't, because Echad Shino Yain, as we turn to Kafal from Beis, the Echad Shino Yimakom, there it is. And Rabbi Yochanan says that even when you change the place, you don't have to make a second bar priyagafen on the Yain, right? Now, the Rashbam, see, so here's a classic example of difference between Rashi and the Rashbam. The Rashi, if you look at the top, says, He just gives you like the, the Pashib Shat and Gemara. You don't have to make a second bracha on the Yain. The Rashbam, if you look down there, says, So he gives you right more background. That this applies not only to Yain, but this is Shintas Rabbi Yochanan in all Bechas in the food. Anything that you're going to eat, Wow, a general idea with food. You mentioned the food channel, Goranowitz. So let's say you start in one place and then you move to another place. You need to make, a, and you're carrying your, your donut. So that's the question. Does it matter if it's a donut or if it's a candy apple? Does it matter what kind of bracha is it? We're going to get a little bit into this. This is a straight up brachos issue. We're going to get into it a little bit over here. This sheet of Rabbi Yochanan, you don't have to make a second bracha. Uh, and Rashbam adds, very importantly, Right? As long as you didn't have any hesachadas and any interruption of thought between the bracha and when you went to move to your new location, then you would not have to make another uh, bracha. That is, in fact, a big chiddush of Rabbi Yochanan. And we're going to bring sources that seem to challenge that idea, that, that all you have to do is have it in mind and you can carry your food around with you and not have to make another bracha as you change locations, as follows. If I get a, if I get a chocolate donut... Go ahead, chocolate donut, so that's a mazonos. And I, I just eat the chocolate off of it. Uh-huh. I mean, do I have to, what do I make, chocolate or mazonos? Uh, so if you're only eating the chocolate off the donut, do you make a chocolate? So right, so you're getting into the brachos now. So that's, a, so that's a good question. But that also explains why uh, the other day when there was a yard site, I saw a chocolate donut with all the chocolate eaten off of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mesve. So they asked me the Bryce. So straight up, right, there's a Bryce that says that when you change your place, you need to make a bracha. So again, that sounds like it's against Rabbi But when you have your change of right, yain, when you bring in the second different kind of yain, you don't have to make another bar guffin. However, to the the first part of this brisa sounds like it's an unchallenged brisa, and it sounds like it challenges, right, the brisa itself, uh, nobody says anything otherwise, and so this is a threat to, not with regards to the shinu yain, but the shinu makom part is against the shita of Yochanan, right? It says that when you change makom, you can't, uh, you can't just rely on your original bracha, you have to make a bracha again, to which the Gemara actually concedes, to Yivta. This, in fact, uh, shoots out our sheet of Rabbi Yochanan. So it turns out, that, right, according to this brisa, the halacha would not be like Rabbi Yochanan. I guess Rabbi Yochanan was unaware, right, of this, uh, of this brisa, or whatever it was, and he, and he did not hold like this, but we do not hold like Rabbi Yochanan with regards to the Shinoi Makom. You can't just go and make, but, and, and, and not have to make, you can't just move from one place or another and expect to not have to make another bracha. But let's see, the story isn't over yet with regards to this issue. So that's following. Okay, so Rabbi Yidi was saying with Chista, but Yasser of Chista for Kamar Mishmei the Ravuna, and Chista was saying in the name of Ravuna. So, so Rabbi Yidi Baravin is hearing right Ravuna's Shita from being said by Rav Chista as follows: Ha de Amar Shinui Makom Tzarich Levarich. This idea that when you change, right? This price it says when you change places, you have to make a second bracha. Lo Shanu Elam Yibais Lebais. Aha. So that's a qualification. Talking about when you're going from one house to the other. Avam Yimakom Lamakom Lo. But within the same house. So again, Karanowitz is eating a piece of chocolate upstairs. And he makes a bracha. And then he goes downstairs, let's say, to a social hall downstairs, as it were. So he's within the same building. 
he presumably would not have to make another bracha on his chocolate bar. Okay? But there's more. Amalek of Edi Bar Avin, so to that, Rabbi Ivan says, we learned this in the Brisa of Rav Hanek Shul, or Rav Amrleib, or based matters. Rav Amrleib Masisa the Bay Bar Hanek. Some say it wasn't Rav Hanek, but Bar Hanek. Anyway, Kavaseich. We learned like you. There we had. We were in yeshiva. We learned exactly like you. Uh, what you said. The change of place within the same house. You don't have to make another bracha. Okay. However, the Eler Ravuna Masnisa Kamashmalan. So now the Gemara asks an interesting question. Ravuna, right, was supposedly giving this, or giving over this teaching, right? But this was enough in a Brisa. In other words, this was uh, in Israel. They say Logilita Tamelika. Right, he's saying over a brisa that everybody knows, and we're talking about it as if it's some chiddush. We learned the base matters, but everybody knows this brisa. Rabbi Yochanan apparently was not aware of it, but everybody knows that when you change mimakom lemakom, right, that you that you what that you have shinu mimakom tzarich levarich, and that that's true, uh, right, that shinu tzarich levarich. So to that, the gemara answers Ravuna must nisa lo shmiyale. Ravuna not heard of the brisa. So it sounds like this brisa, while it was undisputed, was was not heard of by everyone. Okay, and beyond that. Let's now get dig into the price and see if we can qualify it a little bit more. To all this, Rav Chista, who quoted this din, start, said something in his own name, right? He had his own chiddush to add to this as follows. Now this is an, an, an important detail. This whole idea of where you have to make another bracha when you change, let's say, from one house to the other. Aha. This is only said, now we're going to really split the difference here. Where the only time Right, that you have to make another bracha is when you're eating, let's say, a shahako, we'll call it. What's a davish ain't doing bracha lachrayim bim komam? So, certainly a mozi, right? Certainly, this is going to be a little bit of a subject of dispute in the Rishonim, but uh, when we make mizonos, what we call mizonos, so we have to make a, right, so we have to make an alamichi afterwards. When we make, uh, when we break bread and we make an actual suda, then we have to bench afterwards. So, it's, uh, it's not 100% clear which one he's referring to here, um, but be that as it may, we're going to talk a little bit about this distinction. What Rav Chista is teaching us is as follows, and this ends up being very, very important in the halacha, right? If you make a bra, if you make, let's, let's call it benching, okay? So let's say you start your suda, right? This, this is the halacha, uh, according to many sheets, is true of Mizonos also. But let's say you start your suda, right, in one place. You have your suda, and then you move to another place. So the question would be, is it the same thing as having a chocolate bar in one place and moving to the other place? So if Chisla says no, which is to say, if you had hamotzi and you moved to another place, then you don't have to make another bracha, uh, another bracha rishona. Whereas if you have a chocolate bar and you move from one place to another, you do have to make a bracha rishona. We're going to explain it, but first let's read it inside. He says again, that that you only have to make a bracha with a chocolate bar because that's something that, even though again, we, of course we make a bracha rishona and a bracha rishona and a chocolate bar, we make a bar and a fashos, but that's not the kind of bracha lachreihen that we're talking about. We're talking about a real, right, uh, either alamechia or, or benching. Right? Those foods that have to have the bracha afterwards in the place where they were eaten, Ain't sarach levarech. There, you don't have to make another bracha rishona. My taima. So let's see what the reason. Like iva kamahadar, because he's returning to the original place. Now again, this is obviously a lot here. We'll just tease out some of the potential questions. First of all, as we already mentioned, what is a food that requires a bracha before and after? So we're going to assume it's either mizonos or right or hamotzi. Right. That's number one. Number two, what does it mean returning to the original setting, and why like kamahadar, and why would that affect it? So on the surface, in the most simple way, as follows. Because if you have a suda, then you have two options. Once you're kovea suda, we'll call it, right? Then really you're supposed to go back and make a bracha, right? You make a bracha rishona, you have your suda, and then you're supposed to make your bracha chrona in the same place where you made your bracha rishona. Now, because that's a real kovea suda, right? That's a, that is a real meal, we'll call it. So once you're having this meal, 
So then really, there's the meal is like location stamped, right? That has a location to it. So much so, meals are, are, are supposed to come with a location, right? Because you set a place for the meal. So you're really supposed to do, as the Gemara says, right? That right? That you have to go back to the place where you have your Rishona because it's a meal. So because we'll call it a meal, and the meal comes with a setting, you got to go back to the scene of the meal in order to have both the Bracha Rishona and the Bracha Rishona at the said meal. Were you to change locations, right? I start off eating at my house, then I realized I forgot I was invited to Andrew's house. Worst such a thing to ever miraculously occur, just saying. So if that were to happen, so then what would happen is I would have to have in mind to change locations to Andrew's house, right? Aha. So Amazingly, because a meal comes with a setting, once I change my setting, it's like I've shifted the meal over. Right? I have two options, either to go back to the original setting or to shift the setting to the second location. But either way, because I'm shifting the entire setting, then ironically, I don't need to make a new bracha rishona because I have to, like that was all included in my kavana of my original bracha rishona of Amotzi, we'll say, is the idea, and we, we, we're familiar with this somewhat, right? To make Amotzi in mind to continue my suda elsewhere, right? So that's that's a concept that you don't have by your chalkabar, right? I made a shahakwa on my chalkabar in, in mind to continue my chalkabar elsewhere. So this is the halacha that we're learning now. That's like the, the essence of what's going on here, that a suda, a meal, is something that you can have in mind to continue because it's like uh, an event that's tied to a setting that you have in mind to actually shift settings and the whole thing shifts, including the bracha rishona. As opposed to just like a shahakal, where you can't have in mind because it's not really associated with a setting. So every location that you would take your chocolate bar to, you would have to make a new bracha. Now, the other issue here, and Dostas brings it up, is do you have to make a new bracha chrona? Like at what point are you making a new bracha chrona? At what point do you make a new bracha rishona? This is already, again, this is a bracha's topic that is not the essence of what this stuff is, uh, is talking about, but certainly if you wanted to right, flesh out the real halacha here, um, Sometimes when you know you're moving from one location to another, then certainly uh, the bracha chrona you would not have to say, and you would just have to make the bracha rishona, right? So in other words, let's say you have a chocolate bar, and you move locations, so you have to make a new bracha rishona. But before you make the new bracha rishona, do you have to make a bracha chrona <laughs> on, on the old location? So, that, so the assumption is presumably not. You're only making a new bracha rishona, and in fact, the bracha chrona you'll make after you finish the chocolate bar in your new location, and after you've made the additional bracha rishona. But that is in fact a truly fascinating topic that's brought out um, that's brought out over here with regards to the idea of Kiddush Makhutu and now simply the idea of making changing a bracha from one place to the other. Okay. So that was the position, right? So that was Rav Chista. So that, Rav Shesha said, Rav Shesha's Amar, Right? That in both cases, right, both for foods that require the bracha chrona, whether it's shahakal or whether it, you're talking about mizonos, they would still require another bracha rishona when you change place from one to the other. Now the Gemara is going to say, Mesve, this idea of Avchista, that you had to, that you didn't have to change it, it says like this, Let's say you had a group of people, they were, you know, Mesubin over here, right? It sounds like they're, uh, the, like they're at the Seder, but basically those days they used to recline a little bit and they're drinking, fine. That was, uh, that's a, that to us, we, we associated with the Seder, but in those days they did it uh, more commonly. Anyway, so they're drinking. And now they're, they're going to the Chasna, okay? So they're going it out, right? So now when they go out, they don't have to say a bracha chrona. This brings out again a little bit what we were saying before. They don't have to make a bracha chrona. Right? And when they go back, they don't have to make another bracha rishon. So basically, what do they do? They were drinking and they interrupted their drinking to go out. So so right, so what's going on over here in this brisa is that basically you have a yain drinking thing, you're drinking, you're going out, and then you're coming back. So you're interrupting it. So you might think that you'd have to Right, that you'd have to make a bracha chrona when you leave, and then make a new bracha rishona when you when you get back. But so far, the brisa says you don't have to. Now says the right says the gemara, or it says the brisa continues. Aha, the only time this qualification becomes critical and becomes a challenge of chista. The only time 
that you say that you don't have to make a new bracha bar- when you leave and a new bracha when you return is if somebody stayed back. Now, you know, it's giving the example of an older sick person who is too, too tired to party and to go out. But really, it would be anybody. It doesn't have to be an older sick person, obviously. Right? So you leave somebody behind, basically, to keep the, keep the seats warm, so to speak, back where you, had the, where you were reclining. But if they don't have anybody at all, it's all a bunch of young, able-bodied people, they're all running out and they leave the place abandoned. So then, in that case, there's the challenge of Chista. That when they go, if you're in fact clearing the place out, right, then you are in fact going to have to make a bracha when you leave, and then you're going to have to make a bracha rishona again when you come back. So we see that, in fact, the only thing that would, that, that would stop you would be if you left somebody behind. But if you didn't, you, in fact, do have to make a bracha when you, when you move. So now the Gemara is going to prove a little bit. It's going to tease out. It's going to spell it out for you as follows. In fact, that the Brayta teaches, Aha. So, so he says, look carefully at the Brayta. The Brayta said the words, means that you're what? You're uprooting yourself. Nobody uproots themselves from a chocolate bar, right? You're not, that's not uprooting. That's just leaving, right? That's just walking around, right, with a chocolate bar. Uprooting makes it sound like this was something that was Uprooting means that there was a some sort of setting where you're having like a meal with a setting, right? You're talking about drinks like yain, where, where they actually have to have a bracha rishona, a bracha chorona, and the only reason, says the Gemara, and yet, despite the fact Aha, this is how it's challenged of Chista. Because despite the fact that they were Kovea Suda, that's how we would call it, right? Despite the fact that they were Kovea Suda, the Akur Raglaim implies that they were Kovea Suda. And still, despite the fact that they were Kovea Suda, they still have to rely on the old guy that stayed behind in order to be able to not have to make a bracha and bracha rishona. That's only because, if they, says the Gemara, that's only because they left the person behind. But if they didn't leave somebody behind and they, they clear the place out, and so we have a kasha out of chista. There's a big, big discussion over here about whether you just need, again, the, the bracha, right, the, another bracha, or bracha, rishana. Um, this would be a good place to stop. We're going to continue on the last line of Kuf Aleph Amun Beis tomorrow on analysis of this idea of change Mishon and Makom and having to make another bracha. I guess because they were moving.